so for our, our, our message today, we're going to be in uh, the Gospel of John um, in chapter 20. Um, but as we, as we start, um, chapter 20 really ties in everything that God, John has been um, talking about through his gospel and very specifically ties in with uh, the beginning. So we'll actually start reading um, from chapter 1 and then head to chapter 20. Um, so John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all that did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And so we come to chapter 20, and at the beginning of chapter 20, chapter 19 has ended. Jesus has been laid in the tomb. And early, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They, did, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. 
Now, Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He said this. He showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, in this chapter, we see Jesus interacting with uh, Mary. We see him interacting with the disciples. We see him interacting with Thomas in different ways, where they're at. And this is the breaking in, the dawning of new creation. If you 
remember from the beginning of John's gospel, he ties it into the book of Genesis, right? In the beginning was the word. All things were made through him. Nothing that was made has been made without him. And then he goes on to say that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so in these first few words, he's tying back what he has been painting, this picture of Jesus as God, Jesus as Messiah, and Jesus, the firstborn of creation and the one who will make all things new. And so it's early on the first day of the week. This is the first day of new creation. While it's still dark, at this point in the story, for those readers who have encountered John's gospel for the first time, who have not yet heard the whole story of Jesus, They've heard in the beginning that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. But when we get to this sentence, Jesus is in the tomb and even though it's early, it is still dark. And so we're wondering, how this can be true. Can the light really shine and not be overcome by darkness? What power is available to turn back the tide of what has happened in the world that God has made? And so Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb and it's the the stone is not in front of the entrance. And so she goes and she gets Peter and John, who's referring to himself here, um, and tells them that we don't know where the body is. And so naturally they do the only thing that they can do and they start out for the tomb. They're, They're running. And, you know, as a as a kid, I always liked John because he re- referred to himself like kind of like mysteriously, but also like, hey, guys, just so you know, I was faster than Peter. Like, I totally outran him. And he mentions it twice here. He's like, he, he got there first. He didn't go in. And then a couple verses later, he's like, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. So this is kind of that like, this is one of those things where, you know, like, a real person wrote this, right? It's like, hey, like, hey, me and Peter, and, you know, he probably told this story, like, a few times, or he's like, you know, like, we were running for the tomb, and, you know, you know, I beat, I beat Peter, you know, this isn't recorded in their, their, their first sermons in Acts, you know, when they're preaching to the multitudes, and they're, they're getting thrown in jail in Acts chapter 4, and saying, well, we have to keep talking about Jesus, but, you know, when they're going house to house, they're like, you know, I was there, and we saw Jesus that first day of, of new creation. And, you know, Peter and I ran to the tomb. And I, I beat Peter. You know, you could tell. Look at me. Like, I'm, I'm definitely faster than Peter. I don't know. That's how I would have done it if I was John. But there's just this, there's just this humanness of, of John's story. Because if you go through John's gospel, if you go into John's letters, 
right? That's how he how he starts First John. He's like, this is what we what we saw and what we held and what we touched. Like this really happened. This was a real experience. And John wants us to get into that mindset of being able to know that there were real people who really walked and talked and touched and ate with the God of the universe. And so, so Peter and John, they get to the tomb and then Peter runs all the way in past John and they see the cloth lying there, that it's been separate and, and folded up in its place. And so then John's like, all right, well, Peter's decided it's okay to go inside. And maybe John was nervous about what would be inside. Maybe, you know, in terms of uh, uh, cleanliness, he didn't want to go into a tomb, whatever it is. Peter, Peter doesn't, Peter's always the one who jumps all the way in first, right? In the ocean, walking on the water, um, diving into the water, the next chapter in, in chapter 21. And so that makes sense of what, what Peter does. And so John goes into, and then John says, he saw and believed, but also they didn't understand from scripture yet that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So there's, there's this belief that's, he, he still doesn't fully understand, comprehend everything that's going on here. And so John kind of drops them from the story at this point, and we'll come back to them in a, a few verses. And then we get to Mary, who's apparently come, maybe not running, but she's come back because she wants to, she's got to figure out what's going on. Why isn't Jesus where everyone would have expected him to be? Nobody leaves tombs on their own. What's going on here? And so she's crying because the one who has changed everything for her can't be found. And so she looks in the tomb and sees two angels in white. And this is more of John saying, look, the light is starting to push the darkness away. We started the chapter, it was still dark, and now we see these angels in white. And they ask her, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where he is. And then she sees Jesus, but doesn't know it's him and thinks he's the gardener. And as, as John is tying this into to chapter 1 and chapter 1 ties into Genesis there's this almost uh, turn from how we see the final interact because I guess it just reminded me of this because Mary thinks he's the gardener right and you think back to, to Genesis 1, 2 and 3 and God is walking with Adam and Eve in the garden right and then there's sin and separation and God comes he's like Adam where are you where are you at what's going on why why is there this difference and then they're exiled and now Mary is in a garden and she's like where is God and Jesus is like Mary I'm here the the problem that we encountered back then this is the start of making all things new. This is the entrance 
the victory that I have over death that was brought into the world back then. And now, as, as John says, you can have life in his name when you believe. This is the beginning of new life. And there's this complete turn from now. Jesus is meeting Mary in the garden. And he gives her the, the first opportunity to share the good news, the first person that he sends. And so um, she has the opportunity to be the one that tells the disciples that Jesus is alive. And so we see the first ringing of what John says in, in chapter 1, that we saw him. No one has seen God, but we have seen Jesus. And Mary comes to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. And so she tells them that he had said these things to her. And they hear her story and they believe, and that's why it's in our scriptures. And so it's still the evening of that first day of the week. It's still the first day of the beginning of all things being made new and the disciples are together but the doors are locked for fear of the Jewish leaders they're still not sure what's going on they were all scattered initially when Jesus was taken and then crucified and they've they've kind of come back together because nobody else knows their situation like the rest of them right and so they're probably trying to figure out what do we do and now they've heard at least like, well, the tomb is empty and they probably all talk to each other like, okay, well, I know it wasn't me. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. Okay. And John and Peter have been there and they came back to the other disciples. And John said in a couple, a couple of verses ago, like he, he believed, but he still didn't understand that Jesus was supposed to rise from the dead. So there's definitely some aspect of not everybody has a firm grasp on what they're supposed to do what's going on what might what might we have to do if if Jesus is really alive how might that change things but still they're they're afraid because they saw what the Jewish leaders in uh in concert with uh, the Roman authorities did to their teacher. And so everything is locked up. And somehow Jesus comes and stands among them and says, I know you're afraid, but have peace. Peace be with you. And he shows them his hands and his side. And they were overjoyed upon seeing the Lord. And then just as he sends Mary, he sends them. Just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Just as in the beginning when he made the world and breathed the breath of life into creation and into Adam, here he breathes on them 
gives them the Holy Spirit, the breath of new life and new creation. And he says, you no longer have to be afraid. The disciples instead are overjoyed with what the presence of Jesus has done for how they are looking at life. And so then we come to Thomas, which was the reason I ended up thinking about this passage at all, and then it jumped into a whole long thing. But Thomas wasn't there. He wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. And so the other disciples echo the words of Mary Magdalene. I have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. just imagine what that what would that whatever the reason was that it doesn't say why he wasn't there what was going on if he had something to take care of if he didn't come back for fear if whatever the reason was he wasn't there and you imagine everyone telling him Thomas do you know what has happened do you realize what this means for our lives, what this means for the world, what this could mean for everything. And you missed out on it. And he says, they, they told him what happened, right? It says that he showed them his hands in his side. And so Thomas says, man, I want that for myself. You guys got to see him. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and his side, I won't believe. I need, to, I need the same thing that, that you have. I need the same experience. I need that for myself. How am I supposed to believe? And it's, it's not that he doesn't want to. He doesn't think he can without it. Because, because a week later, the disciples are in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And that's that's great for what's about to happen to Thomas, but also, what was that week like in between where here is one guy who can't yet believe, who can't yet hold on to what is happening, and these other ten disciples, Mary Magdalene, and others who have seen Jesus and are overjoyed and are trying to convince him are are trying to share their joy and the and the love of Jesus with Thomas that that keeps him around it doesn't John doesn't tell us what those conversations were like whether there were any conversations what what was going on but But what struck me is that he's still there. They, they didn't say, hey, you, you don't believe right now. You didn't have the same experience as us. So, like, you need to go somewhere else. They didn't say, hey, you're, you're doubting right now. You're not all the way where we are. So, you're unwelcome. They didn't say, hey, you've got some questions that, that we can't answer because we can't just like 
command Jesus to like show up whenever we want. Um, so I'm sorry, but if, if that's, if that's what you need to believe, then all right, I guess this isn't a place for you. Whatever it was, probably the fact that this group of people has been following Jesus together for three years through thick and thin and are a real family at this point. Like, where else are any of them going to go? They've left everything and have wandered the countryside with Jesus. But it just struck me. They're, they're willing to wait a week and probably even longer because I think there's a, there's a sense here where, where John is he's he's building toward what what Jesus is going to say to Thomas that applies to us but this this is how this is how he 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 builds up to it by by us we're probably like man well i i i too like i want what what Thomas was asking for whether it's about the resurrection or some other kind of question that we're wrestling with that unless I XYZ I don't know if I will believe unless I see this unless I experience this unless unless I can wrestle with this I don't know how I'm supposed to commit how I'm supposed to follow And so John helps us identify with Thomas as the the next step toward getting to our point in the story. And so Thomas is with them and the same thing happens. See, the doors are still locked. So somehow, even though Jesus has appeared, he has given them peace, he has given them the spirit he has given them the commission i am sending you and they were overjoyed right in this first instance and they're telling thomas we have seen the lord a week later they've still got the doors locked it doesn't say that they were fearful but maybe they're not quite quite ready maybe they're maybe they're just waiting and they're they're expectant and they're they're hoping that they're waiting for Thomas to come along with them. I don't know. Whatever it is, the doors are still locked. And again, Jesus came and stands among them. He gives the same message. And then he says, Thomas, hey, they they saw, I showed them my hands and my side. Put your finger here. Reach out your hand. Stop doubting and believe. He doesn't say you were, he doesn't condemn his doubt, but he does say, hey, I am here, and so you don't need to stay in your doubt. He gives him the opportunity that he asked for. He could have, he could have easily said, man, Thomas, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have needed this. You know, you don't get to touch me or whatever. But he, he meets Thomas where 
Thomas needs because because Thomas had stayed with the disciples and the disciples have stayed with Thomas. And so because they have remained together, because they've remained connected, then he is in the place where Jesus can answer his doubts. He is in the place where God can do what only God can do. He is in a place where he can experience Jesus himself. And so Thomas responds with what should be at this point as we as someone who has been reading through John their realization as well Jesus you are my Lord and my God and so Jesus says to him and to those who are reading because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe and we think even back to the beginning of this chapter when Peter and John run to the tomb and though John says hey we still didn't understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead I went inside I saw and believed he didn't see Jesus yet and he believed so there's even this point in this chapter right where where John John is pushing us to the point of saying hey you can believe without seeing Jesus in the flesh. It's totally possible. You can get there. And, and he's, he's saying, we have these examples, but it's so that we don't have to be the only ones that believe. We aren't the only ones who experience the new creation. We aren't the only ones that see that all things are being made new, that the light is shining in the darkness. It's going to keep going. And it's going to go beyond where Peter and John and Mary and Thomas were. And it's going to shine to us. And there is a a blessing in being someone who has not seen and yet believed. And John says right, right after this, right? Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All right, he begins First John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
So he's, he's not saying that we have to believe without evidence, but he's saying that there is evidence right here. And if you would look through what John has written about Jesus, it's not for any other purpose than that the person reading, the person hearing these words might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That we might be able to say as well with Thomas, my Lord and my God. That we might as well be able to be in the line of people that can go to someone else, that someone can come to our gathering and we can say with confidence, we have seen the Lord. We have hope because the tomb is empty. And not just that the tomb is empty, but that he is alive. And so we see these, these trades of fear for peace and mourning for joy and doubt for belief. That it's true that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And that because of that, we can have new life and second birth. Right in the beginning of John, he says, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God born of God. That's what Jesus tells Nicodemus in, in chapter 3, that you need to be born again. And, and Jesus tells Mary here, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. This new creation, this all things new, mean we are now able to be a part of God's family, that we have communion full with God again. Or you think back to the, to the garden connection and Mary looks into the tomb and sees the angels and the angels say, he's, he's not here. Who are you looking for? And she turns and she sees the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Instead of the angel in Genesis guarding the entrance to Eden, guarding the entrance to the tree of life, the angels are pointing and saying, the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to God, your Father, is here. It's available for you. The way is open through Jesus. We're no long, we no longer have to be separated. But everything that is darkness, the light can shine. And so, just to wrap things up, I just hope that encouraged you as it encouraged me this week and that we might be able to think about 
how we can be people that hold space for those wherever they are on their path of I need to know this I I need to experience this before I can take this step of faith I I I I don't know if I can take this step without understanding something differently and being those people that are willing to say both we have seen the Lord God has been good to us faithful to us faithful to me in this way Jesus has been real in my life in this way but also hey you can keep hanging out with us you can come next week even if you don't believe yet even if you're still needing that thing there is space for you because Jesus makes space and he meets all these people where they were at with the fearful disciple he could have said hey like I'm not I'm gonna wait till the disciples unlock their doors and come out and find me in the world he said no they're fearful I'm gonna go to them he could have waited until Thomas was like all in and convinced by the other disciples he said no I'm going to meet him too. He could have left Mary questioning in the garden what was going on. But he appeared to her and let her know that he was still the one that she loved. And my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we will think about how Jesus has done that for us and be able to make that space, make those opportunities for those around us, even ourselves, in our times of struggle, weakness, doubting, whatever they may be, that we see from the example here in John that there is hope, there is new life, that Jesus has brought and that he is faithful to reach us where we are. So let's give him praise and thanks and pray for the weakness in our hearts as well. God, we are so grateful for your goodness. We are so grateful for this opportunity to hear how real you were to these people that loved you. God, we pray. God, we asked for you to be real to us. God, in those areas of our lives where we may be struggling with doubt or fear disappointment confusion just as your disciples were in this passage God we pray that you would Help us to have peace 
and joy. God, that you would give us your presence. And God, that as we experience your presence and your love, as we see that the door is open, as you are the way, God, that we would point people to the open door of new creation and new life. God, that we would be able to do it in a way that encourages people to stick around even in the midst of their fear and their doubt. God, for those of us here present today that may be struggling, we ask for your spirit to come alongside us in our weakness as you promise he does even to pray for us when we don't know what to pray. To be with us and comfort us and guide us in all truth. We thank you that you have risen. We thank you that the darkness cannot overcome the light. We thank you for how we have seen your light shine in our lives and we pray that you would help us to look more closely each day for all the ways that we see you at work. It's in Jesus' name, our Lord and our God who has overcome the grave, that we pray. Amen.